Please laugh at me. Okay. I was right. Everybody, please laugh at me. Come on, Brianna, laugh at me. You hurt my self-esteem. You don't laugh at me, you might see me. I'm telling you, man, I just gotta be myself. I'm telling you. I just gotta I just gotta be who I am. Okay? I can't be nobody else. This is who I am. I tried to try out for DTB. They gave me a rejection letter in the mail. Tiana signed it, said, due to the circumstances, you didn't make the final cut. Tried to crump with Aaron, but I stopped, I couldn't stop smiling. What is it about crumping that you have to look serious? You can't smile crumping? This man be crumping for 24 hours. But won't get on a roller coaster. We went to Elegis. Aaron got all the muscles grown there. Won't get on a roller coaster. I see you over there, Aaron. Don't let anybody bust you. I He walking around like this. No, bro, I can't get on a roller coaster. All the muscles. Won't get on a roller coaster. I knew my wife wasn't going to get on a roller coaster. Scary. Scared about everything. I knew she wasn't going to get on. But Aaron. Vacuuming, okay? Vacuuming. 
exactly. If you have a vacuum and listen to music at the same time, you're just in your own world, just... I see this person through the window vacuuming. She's in the zone. She just vacuuming in circles over the same spot. Just... Welcome to Love Thy Neighbor Friday featuring... If you want to hear the rest of that, you're going to have to go check out Charmer Williams on YouTube. His comedy stuff is really funny. And he's my guest this week on Featuring Friday. Just dropped a brand new book. And I'm excited to take some time with one of my great friends, Charmer Williams. You're listening to Love Thy Neighbor on Anchor. God bless you and welcome to Love Thy Neighbor. This is Friday featuring. And this Friday, I got a brother on here, man, that is doing all kinds of things. He's doing big things. I'm just happy to have my good friend, uh, brother in Christ. Uh, we, we've known each other for many, many years now. Um, man, I want to welcome Charmer William, Williams, man. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Uh Government name is Chalmer, but most people just know me as Chalmers. <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, man, I'm sitting here, man, and um, I'm holding this book in my hand. <laughs> Uh-oh. What, what kind of book? <laughs> man, uh, it's, it's a nice little nice little cover. Um, is he funny or is he a troublemaker? for a laugh. Um, I don't know who that guy is, man. What Might that be you? <laughs> I am that person, uh, author <laughs> of newly released book, Fighting for a Laugh, self-published, available on Amazon.com, Kindle, and paperback. Man, God bless, man. God bless, man. I, I remember when you first started that endeavor took a break and jumped back on it and 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 now it's here man and now it's here man sounds like there's a lot of new stuff since the last time we've been on air uh we did a show together last year um so catch the people up what what's happening with chamis what's happening with fatherhood friday what's happening with the book what what's going on what's going on man i, I mean really i don't <laughs> It's so much going on. I don't really even know where to begin. Um, you know, we're in COVID-19, of course, you know, as we're doing this episode. And um, since that last time, I think we did an episode when life knocks you down. Was that last year? Yeah, last year. year. That was last, last year. And so um, I'm not even for sure if I had started the book yet, when we did that episode, I might've been like right on the verge of starting it, but I hadn't actually started. And so, um, I started writing like right around my birthday. My birthday is in November mm. and, uh, I, I was at work and it's, it's, you know, you kind of feel that unction. Like I, I need to be doing more. It's like something's pregnant in you that's trying to come out. And so, you know, I just I just picked up my laptop one day and just started writing. And, uh, you know, with the encouragement of yourself, uh, with the encouragement of uh, a guy by the name of Isaac Rowe, 
He's the founder of the Man and Me organization out here, leading fathers and, and men to be the best version of themselves. Um, I just went at it. And so it was about a three-month process. And I was I was done with it uh, about late March. And it's funny because as soon as I put the book out there, right, self-published, it was out March 31st. The next few days later, I was laid off my job. Wow. And wow. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I I didn't envision myself releasing the book and being being unemployed at the same time. Uh, who does? Who does? <laughs> who does? Wow. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I've just been riding this journey and, um, you know, been unemployed now uh, since April 1st. And so, um, you know, um, still you know, selling the book as well as putting out podcasts or episodes on Fatherhood Fridays regarding, you know, different things that I'm going through in this season of of COVID-19, such as my health, such as, you know, just really going through a stressful time. And now also continuing the goals, you know, that God put before me, um, despite COVID-19. So we have the book out. You know that. Um, we have the podcast out, Fatherhood Fridays. You know, um, I'm beefing up my social media because I've, I've been a bit of a, a recluse <laughs> uh, for the last few years. You know, only people that could contact me was on LinkedIn, and that's not the same as a Facebook or Instagram. So <laughs> beefing back up my uh, social media. And, uh, you know, on the verge of uh, starting my own business. So, you know, we, we, we're, we're rocking and rolling and, and, you know, just being in tune with God in this season. Um, because I believe that God wants us to be better um, coming out of COVID-19 than when we first went in. Amen. 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 Now, you, 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 don't, you don't really sound like a person that is laid off work, man. You, you're in pretty good spirits, you know, for an individual who right now is laid off. Uh, what's going on there, man? What's, what's happening there? Well, I mean, I wasn't always. Okay. I wasn't Let's talk always. About it. Talk about it. I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, when I first got laid off, it felt like, you know, the walls was caving in because, I mean, not only did I – uh, get laid off my job. My my wife Tanya, she got extremely sick right around with COVID nineteen hit. So you know, then on top of that, you both your kids are home. Um, so you're doing homeschool. You're laid off, and you're trying to you know uh, take care of your wife. And so you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I did. I was stressed. I was stressed out. Um, and so you know it was a process for me. It was a process to realize that I didn't see this coming and I don't think the world saw this coming. And so, you know, being able to step back, being able to, you know, like I said, when life knocks you down, get that support team, get in deep prayer and just see 
allow God to do what he's going to do, you know? Um, and so I had to, I had to work through a lot of issues of myself of learning how to be flexible, learning how to get up when life knocks you down, learning how to strengthen my marriage, learning how to strengthen myself and, and, and being flexible and being able to live in this new world or these last couple months of everything is at home now. Only reason you have to leave is to go to the store right. or to get some fresh air. And so um, once I was able to adjust, then I was able to smell the roses. Then I was able to lift my spirits up and realize, you know what? This is just the beginning. This isn't the end. This is just another chapter. And so, you know, God wants us to work harder. I mean, work smarter and not harder. And so it's been a blessing in disguise, at least I'll say for me, because um, a lot of different refunds, whether it's the government, whether it's my house, whether it was Tanya at UT, a lot of different money was coming in that we didn't even necessarily have to work for, which caused other things that God had put it in our heart to do to come to the forefront and say, okay, you don't have to do Uber. Here's the money to start your own uh, corporation. You don't have to labor Here's the money to uh, pay off this debt. Here's the money to invest in this. And so um, I'm just like at awe because, again, you never see what God's going to do. And it's just like the people of Israel. You can so easily get caught up in complaining and bickering. But if you could just hold on and shift your mindset, because that's what God is really trying to get you to do. Shift your mindset and receive this manna like what is this coming from i didn't see this coming then you're able to say okay now that i have this manna okay what else are you gonna do <laughs> you know so um right 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 i mean uh, that that's definitely what you what you have to do because looking at this situation there's so many ways that you could approach it and at the end of the day like you said getting into deep prayer getting a support system around you and trying to get a God, a godly outlook, not just a positive outlook. People talk about a positive outlook, but a godly outlook. What is God saying? What is God doing in this time, in this season? And how do, how do, how does he want me to react? Because, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that reacted badly, you know, to this situation. And there's some that didn't react at all, you know? Um, but, at the end of the day, what, what is God saying? What is he doing? Um, as I am um, looking uh, through the pages of, of, of your book, okay. um, uh, there's a couple of things that jump out at me. Um, okay. what, was, what was your heart? Um, what was your goal in writing this book? What was the goal that you had in mind when you were writing this book? Uh, to give hope to the hopeless um, youth. That was my goal. To give hope to the hopeless youth. The, the youth that get kicked out of school, the youth that get suspended all the time, the youth that you like, man, this dude going to end up in jail or prison. That's who I wrote it for. You know, um, that was the purpose of writing this book. 
um, to, to let them know like, Hey, I understand I lived it. And that just like COVID-19 and, and, and the stresses I was going through, that doesn't have to be the end. That could just be the end of the chapter. That doesn't have to be the end of where life ends for you. Amen. Amen. Um, and with that in mind, <laughs> um, chapter three, let me explain. Okay. <laughs> you you, you kind of give a testimony of what it was like to be in Judy. Now, I, I, you know, you, you've been ordained, you know, mm-hmm. as a pastor, mm-hmm. um, you're a father, yeah. you're an author, you're a podcaster, you're a college graduate, mm-hmm. high school graduate, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, how were you able to be willing to be so transparent, you know, about that situation happening in your life? Um, cause a lot of people today in today's Christian world, especially cover up stuff like that. What mm-hmm. made you want to be so transparent? And this is just one of the things in there that jumped out at me, but why did you want to be so transparent about that experience? Because I think two things, one from a spiritual point and maybe even a practical point, it shows you that I've been healed from it. Yeah. You know, I can talk about something. And I don't have any kind of negative emotions with it. I can talk about it freely um, and I can talk about it as a, as it can help someone else. And so that's why I didn't have a problem being transparent because I'm healed from it. I, I, I moved past it. And I, I believe that's what teenagers want. They want something real. When, when, if you're reading a book, you want something real. When I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, a lot of times I didn't like reading in school because it didn't feel real or it felt out of date. Like we're reading about Malcolm X. Okay. Not a knock against Malcolm X. It's a great read, but I'm living in 98 and that's 1969. It just doesn't connect. And you know, you want to read something that is relevant. And I know, you know, me writing that book from 20 years ago, it's not even going to sound as relevant as something as 2020. I get that. But you're still going to be able to be like, you're still going to be able to feel certain elements of it. Like, wow, I, I, I understand that. Or I live that. Or I know somebody that lived that. That's 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 real something he's talking about. And so, um that that that's you know that's the other reason uh why I was so transparent because I believe you know youth and 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 young teenagers they're looking for something real you know what I mean and what better way to help them read than to get something they can relate to amen amen um another another uh chapter I think that that, that stood out to me that I would like you to talk about um is uh chapter six ease on down the road how does um how does a quiet kid who rarely talks fit into the role of the scarecrow um and and what's the bigger message that you're trying to get across by putting this 
you know, um, this chapter in your book? What's the, the larger message? So first of all, how, you know, how did you get the role? And then second of all, what's the bigger message that you're trying to get across? Well, um, I got the role because I believe the teacher saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm. Right. She, she saw the potential. Now, granted, like I said in the book, she never met me. She didn't know Mm -hmm. who I was. All she could go off of was my transcript. And my transcript said he took drama one and two and freshman year. He took two, three sophomore year. He took, so she knows it's there, but she doesn't really know the person. And so I believe she just took a gamble on me. Um, I believe she just took a gamble on me. And what she did was she took me out of my comfort zone because the only way I was going to be able to grow, the only way I was going to be able to see myself beyond just a class clown, I had to be in something more than just a guy in a classroom telling jokes. So she, she stretched me. Um, and she, she, she was able to put me in an uncomfortable zone because anytime you're putting in something, anytime you're going to grow, you're going to be in a place of uncomfortability, whether you recognize it or not, anytime you're growing, it's going to feel uncomfortable because you're not used to being in this atmosphere. You're not used to, okay, now I got to memorize lines and now I got to put on a costume and now I got to, you know what I mean? Learn dance moves. Like I wasn't used to none of that. I just, I'm just a dude that crack jokes in class and get kicked out of class. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, she, she took a risk. And I think the bigger picture is easing on down the road is allowing a person to, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Is not allowing a person to see what's behind them but moving forward or failing forward, as I always say. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and I think people do need to, to know that because so many people are not easing down the road. They're, they're, they're trudging, they're grudging, they're struggling down the road. And I don't think you can ease on down the road when you're carrying all the weight of your mistakes and your past. Like you said, if you're going to fail, fail forward. Don't, don't fail backwards and fall into things that are going to keep you where you once were. Um, especially because, um, a lot of people just need an opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I, what it, what it seemed like to me is that you were getting an opportunity to even see something about yourself that you didn't see. Um, um, like you said, you knew you could be funny in class, but you didn't think you could do something serious with the jokester and the things that you were doing. Um, and so I think that's really good. Um, another big thing that stuck out to me, and I hope you guys that are listening, um, really go out and pick up this book, especially like you said, for your, your teenage boys, your young adults, um, you know, even I think even a middle schooler um, probably could handle it. 
Um, you know, there's some things in there that, you know, a little, little raw, but high school, young adults, for sure. Um, chapter 10, I couldn't hide my truth anymore. Um, you talked about being in, feeling like you're in two worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, in reading that, you, you could, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm a grown man. And sometimes you can still feel like you're in, t- <laughs> in, in two worlds, you know, um, because of the system, you know, that we live in uh, yeah. versus the things that you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. in, in life. And so kind of speak to me about, you know, you know, fighting to exist in those two worlds and how difficult it was back then. And then how, you know, it may still be a, an issue today. Great question. <laughs> That's a great question. So back then, living in two different worlds for me was having a second opportunity after being expelled from Montbello High School, right? Mm-hmm. Having a second opportunity to go to East High School and finish high school while I'm still on probation. <laughs> so I'm, 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 you know, I'm meeting new friends. I'm, I'm opening myself up. I'm, I'm in another play. Uh, my senior year in high school, all while still trying to um, do UAs, drug tests, for those of you that don't know what UAs are. Um, seeing a probation officer on Fridays, giving her report cards and her asking me about my whereabouts. Um, and so it, 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 it was it was living in two different worlds, trying to balance the mistakes of my past mm. while still trying to move forward um, into the unknown future that was destined for me. And so. I think we all um, live in two different worlds from time to time, you know, in, in this, in this day, you know, like COVID-19, we're used to how things once were. I wake up, I eat breakfast, I get my kids dressed to school, they go to school, I go to work, I come home. I might watch TV, get dinner ready, go to church or, you know what I mean, study or, you know, help the kids with the homework, get ready for bed. Okay, so now that's the old world. Now we're in the new world where you still have to do elements of those, but there is no more uh, traveling to work unless you're an essential worker. There is no more, oh, I'm picking my kids up at at 3.34 o'clock. There is no more, oh, I'm going to Wednesday night Bible study. No, none of that exists. So you have to adjust yourself to, you know, social distancing and doing things through Zoom and Facebook Live and, you know, really sinking your teeth into, you know, coming together as a family, coming together as a husband and wife and not just, um, a touch and go, even though you still, you still are cooking dinner. You still are putting the kids to bed. You still are uh, paying bills. Those things are consistent in 
before COVID hit and after COVID hit. And so it's really, you know, looking forward and knowing that things might not ever go back to how they were. Like, once I came to East, I never went back. I could never go back. I couldn't go back to what I was familiar with. I'm in a new territory. I'm in a new situation. I'm in a new season. So instead of just be like, you know, complaining or griping, man, I wish things were, I wish I was back at Montbello or I wish I was back at the alternative school or, man, why can't things be? You you can't do that because all that's going to do is just make you bitter. What you got to do is like, I'm in this new season. Let me embrace this and see what this season has to offer. Amen. 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 Um, <laughs> existing in those two worlds, I, I think it's a reality for, for everybody, you know, both um, as you describe it back then and now it's just a reality that, you know, we're existing uh, in two planes <laughs> here, you know, and trying to navigate them because I think we, we don't, we don't necessarily trust either one of them to be, the permanent reality so we're like well which which one is it do i am i am i free am i not free is it over is it not over <laughs> i mean where where are we really at in life um it's a very interesting time yeah um, and, and it's hard and it's challenging because either people people are only going to see you what you're doing now or what you did before <laughs> you, yeah and I, and I don't even know if that really makes sense you know what I mean? Like, I remember you always used to say, that was then, and this mm-hmm. is now. Right. You know? But some people can only remember you from the then. Right. <laughs> and you struggle, you know, to, uh, um, what's the word, introduce people to you now. Right. You know, uh, you got people that that's all they can think about is the mistakes you made in the bad choices and the, you know, um, you talked about, you know, probation and anger management and things like that. And people see you now. And if you tell them that it's like, wait a minute, that couldn't have been you. Right. But, but that, but that was me. And this is me now. So how are you both of those people? Oh, that's the real question. (laughs) You know, that was me then in that moment, in that season of my life. And this is me now in this moment, in this season of my life. And I think young people um, really need to be able to grasp that, that you are not the sum total of your mistakes, um, that what you did then can only be corrected now. You can only straighten that out today for the choices that you make in this moment. Um so let me let me say something else to that too and you're always evolving yes remember that like a wise man once told me if you're if you think and act and say the same things that you were doing 10 years ago there's a problem there's a problem or even (laughs) five years ago you're constantly evolving you're constantly maturing at least you should be right you know and so there's a lot of people that I'm going to put this on Facebook that are going to hear this that had no idea 
that actually right. thought I graduated from Montbello, and it's not the truth. There are going to be some <laughs> people from East High School that had no idea. They just thought I was a transfer, you know? <laughs> so, um, but this is this is my narrative, and I'm not ashamed of it because, you know, God <clears throat> uses your pain for a purpose. You know, if you if you didn't get nothing out of what we were just talking about in this chapter uh, 10, I, um, I can't hide my truth anymore. God uses your pain for purpose. Um, so last but not least out of the book, I just want to touch on this. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the year 2000. <laughs> OK. <laughs> uh, chapter 13, when suddenly happens. Um, the year 2000 was a, um, what do you call it, a crossroads or a pivotal moment in your life. Um, when, when you think about, you know, the book and you can kind of share, you know, um, what happened, um, but you call it a choice altering your destiny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what would you say to an individual? I want you to talk about what you wrote in the book, but I also mm-hmm. want you to speak to that individual that feels like they've made a choice that is so devastating that they won't recover from it. Um, and so I want you to talk about your choice and then talk about how to come back from that type of a choice. Uh, when, because there may be somebody listening and says, well, man, even in today's, you know, I've, I've messed up my marriage. I walked off a job. I, you know, punched out, you know, so-and-so, and I don't know that I can recover from it, but yet you are here, you know, uh, recovered from uh, something that, you, you know, should have made you a statistic, but yet you're, you're not that guy mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a very good question, too. Um, You know, at the time, year 2000, I'm 17. A lot of times I wasn't thinking I was just reacting. Right. (laughs) So let's let's just put that out there. It wasn't like I thought about it. It just, you know, most teenagers do whatever comes to their mind first. You know what I mean? They don't sit back, think about it. It's just like. You know, when your, ju- your juices is flowing, you just you just react. And so when you, when a lot of times you just react based on your emotions, based on, you know, uh, testosterone or, or, you know, adrenaline rush, whatever, whatever words you want to use. Once you are able to calm down, then you can realize you do have a choice and it's not over. It's only over if you say it's over. If you continue to tell yourself, I can't recover from this. Nobody's going to hire me. I'm not going to go to college. My wife is done with me. Then you're only speaking what's probably going to happen nine times out of ten. But if you give everything you have and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I made a big mistake. But I can change this. 
it might take six months, might take nine months, might take a year and a half, five years. Who, who, who knows? But if you're willing to make a conscious change, not just for yourself, but for those that have been affected or impacted around you, then you will realize that grace is still there, that opportunity is still there, that you can still live your life and not be defined by your mistakes. And so um, I'm hoping I'm answering that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because, again, you read that chapter, last chapter, I'm not going to give away what I did, but <laughs> for some people, you know, I know some people, teachers, administrators, friends, they wrote me off. Like, that's it for him. He's going to be a mm -hmm. high school dropout. You know, he's going to be a high school dropout. There, there's no hope. But I just kept, after that moment, even though I was young and didn't even realize that God's grace and God's mercy was still on my life, that by me just doing what I had to do, that it wasn't the end. Like, I got accepted to college with an expulsion on my record who who goes through that right what are the odds they could clearly see that there was a gap somewhere in my junior year in high school but it doesn't it, it didn't matter it didn't matter so again you have to really know that your mistakes don't define you and that even if you made a mistake, that you can come from it. But do you believe that you can come from it? I think it starts with you. It doesn't start with the judge. doesn't start with your mom. It doesn't start with your friends, your spouse. It starts with, do you believe you can recover from what your mistake is? If you believe you can recover, then you can recover. And that starts... I think I'll leave with this. That starts with forgiving yourself. Amen. A lot of times we feel like we got to ask for forgiveness of the other person. You know what I mean? Or God, please forgive me. But there's another piece to it too. Do you forgive yourself? Or are you still holding yourself hostage off of a bad choice you made? Amen. Amen. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm just enjoying listening to you talk about these things and, you know, and, and knowing you personally, knowing you, you know, um, very closely. Um, the man that you are today um, is is not a reaction to what you've done, um, but God has almost reinvented you from that individual that you were. Um, and he did it through, yes, his grace and his mercy, but also through allowing you uh, to be able to process your past um, in the right way. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't know how to process their past in the right way. They, when they process their past, it pulls them backwards instead of propelling them forward. And so, you know, I, I want to thank you uh, for, you know, 
really being obedient to God and allowing him uh, to propel you forward. Um, because we, we need more individuals that have suffered through and gone through, um, but yet still stand, not claiming to be perfect, but they're continuing to make progress in their life. And so, um, uh, like you say, you know, at the end of the book and your accomplishments, um, it's to be continued because there's more to come. There's more that God has for you. And there's more that God has for those that are listening. Um, if they're willing to, um, just, just, just hold on to their faith or grab a hold of faith in Christ. And so I want you to end with whatever you want to say as far as encouragement um, to those that are going to hear this, that are listening to this. Um, and then I would love for you to just pray with them or pray for them um, as, a, as a way of closing out this broadcast. Okay. Um, and I thank you again. And so everyone in life is similar to me. You might not be fighting for a laugh. You might be fighting to be heard. You might be fighting uh, for food. You might be fighting uh, for peace. You might be fighting for uh, your marriage. You might be fighting for your son, your daughter, your mother, your father. Everybody is fighting to find that place of joy that place of peace, that place of contentment. And it's a process. You know, the reason why I call my book Fighting for a Laugh is because, not because I was fighting for a laugh, literally, but I was fighting for a place of joy. I was fighting for a place of uh, laughter. I was fighting for a place of happiness that was hard to find in a time where my dad was dead. He had passed away. My, my sister was dibbling, dabbling in the streets. Um, you know, there was a lot of negative influences at my, uh, my Bello high school. Um, and so it's like crabs in a barrel. You're trying to fight to be recognized instead of, just saying, Lord, make me who you want me to be. Don't let me fight to get, allow me to be secure in who I am, my identity, my values. Um, and so I encourage you, that teenager, if you're listening out here, I understand. I've lived it. And just know that there's more to you than what people see or what people understand about you. And there are layers to you. And so I'm going to pray with you right now and pray uh, a prayer of encouragement and a prayer of hope um, for you becoming, as Michelle Obama say, becoming more than what people see you as. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now. Um, there's somebody out there, whether it's a male, female, man, woman, boy, girl, that is fighting 
or or is struggling um, to have a voice. And so, Lord, I pray that that person that hears this podcast or this podcast that's shared, that they will come into their own, that this book is um, the foundation of them becoming more than what people see or understand. A lot of people in my life, Father God, just saw me as a funny person. And I'm still a funny person, but there's so much more in me than than what people even know. And so I pray that those gifts, those talents, those interests come out of that person, not for fame or fortune, but to inspire other people um, and give them hope. Give that another person a hope that might feel hopeless. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, man, I, you know, as always, enjoy our time together. Um, and, you know, we, we could talk for hours. And so, you know, trying to <laughs> navigate our conversations and narrow them down into uh, small sound bites. I mean, just the other day, we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. And, yeah. I was like, and it's probably a good thing we got that out because this podcast might have been an hour, an hour and a half long, two hours. But, right, um, <laughs> right. Um, tell the folks again um, where they can get the book and how they can catch up with you on uh, Fatherhood Fridays. Well, you can get the book. It's a self-published book, Fighting for a Laugh, Amazon.com. Just type in the title um, for eight ninety nine. Uh, have it on paperback as well as uh, ebook, which is Kindle. Um, you can find me, I've, I've beefed up my social media a little bit. So I'm back on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, just started an Instagram LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me and reach out to me and say hello, or, uh, you know, order the book and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sign it for you if you, if you want me to. Um, and so, um, look, look forward to more. This is my first book and I think I have, well, I believe I have two more in me. And so I'm just, I'm just going to give, you know, another narrative this time. It's not going to be high school. It's going to be college. So (laughs) look forward to that one. Amen. Amen. Well, man, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, We're going to catch up, you know, uh, off air. uh, But I'm thankful that could get you on here. I'm glad that was able to get you on here with the new book dropping. I was like, hey, I got to get him on here to talk about this book and some of the new things going on and even touch on COVID a little bit. I know people are COVID-19 out there. Nobody right. really wants to talk about that anymore, but it is part of the reality of our lives. But man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and till next time, folks, remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. All right. Talk to you all soon. Right.